Good morning. It is uh, so awesome to see all of you here this morning. And, uh, you know, speaking of awesomeness, I was sitting in, in the front row, and if you have the sitting, sitting behind you, it's like you're listening to surround sound. What a, that's so cool to hear all the voices coming from that as we worship together. Uh, I, uh, by the way, my name is Dale. I'm one of the elders. I didn't have my name tag, so you can call me Bubba if you prefer. Uh, but uh, it's my privilege to be able to share with you this morning from God's Word. But as before I do that, I, I just want to give a, a shout out to all of the folks that work so hard to bring worship and help us lead worship this morning. That, you know, the incredible worship group, the, the media folks, the ushers, uh, all of those folks. And uh, even though she was at the first service, I want to give a special shout out to Gina and from the office. And She's the one that put together all of the slides that you're going to see. And uh, what a joy to be able to have people like that are gifted to do the various things that she does. And so, so, so very grateful. But uh, if you haven't already picked up one of these books, I encourage you to do that. Uh, this is, it's called Witness. It's focused on the series that we're working on, which is from Acts. And... Uh, there's a place in there, to, you know, they have the scriptures. It has a place for taking notes and for questions to wrestle with. Uh, all kinds of just wonderful, wonderful resources. If you don't have one and want one, just raise your hand and one of the ushers will get one to you even now. All right. Well, as we uh, dig into our passage this morning, we're going to pick up uh, where we left off last week from Acts chapter 2. And so if you don't already, uh, it would be helpful to have your Bibles or your Bible apps open to, to Acts 2. And you know, we'll start in approximately verse 14. And with that, though, as we start, have you ever had a situation where someone did something unexpected? Just caught you by surprise. And I'm guessing that's true for many of you. Uh, but one of the things that I was thinking about as I reflected on that was early on in my relationship with Marsha. Yes, here comes another family story. Uh, she loves that. But nevertheless, early in my relationship with Marsha, uh, went home to be with her family on a holiday. I think it was Christmas. And, you know, it's just always interesting to watch what people do on a holiday. And we were doing lots of fun things. And then they were going, it's time to make ice cream, homemade ice cream. Oh, I love it. Because that was something that I grew up with as well. And so, you know, it was the same things. They made the batter, you put it in, you add the ice, and you crank forever. And eventually it starts to get hard enough that you can pull it out and eat it. And you're waiting there, and everybody's standing with their spoons and over and over it. And finally, the ice cream is served. And all is well, because I know what comes next, which is to dig in. Everybody stops, and they come out with saltine crackers. Crackers? Ice cream? I thought, you know, are we having chili? And that's the only time that I ever ate crackers. Evidently, that's a big thing with where they grew up. And so it kind of left me scratching my head and wondering, and quite frankly, to this day, I still haven't quite figured it out. But that's okay. I love them dearly, including my mother-in-law. And so, with that opening, there are times when people, things happen to us that leave us wondering. And so, 
just want to set the context again before we dig in. Last week, you may recall, uh, we had an opportunity to see that this big crowd had, had gathered together. Uh, the festival of Pentecost was going on, and there's this hubbub and all this activity. And then in the middle of that, this wonderful, crazy, weird thing happens, and that is the a group of people all of a sudden started to get these, what looks like flames of fire on their heads, and then they began to speak in other languages, such that the people who had come from all corners of the world could understand their language. And, you know, that had never happened before. And so they're wondering, what's different about this small group of people in the middle of thousands, because none of the rest of them were doing that. And so we find it says, you know, they were just really perplexed because these people were acting differently and acting in a way uh, that they didn't understand what was going on. But something spectacular was. And most, if not all of you this morning, who are gathered here today, uh, are Christians. And as such, you have a relationship with Jesus. And we know today that one of the things that happens is that when we become a Christian and when we ask Jesus to be Lord and Savior and forgiveness of sins, the Holy Spirit begins to indwell us. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is begins to change us and we become different people. That's the work, the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. And so every Christian has that tremendous blessing. Well, what happens is that you and I still go out into the workplace and we still meet with our neighbors, and we still go golfing with our friends, or we still do all these things, something different happens. You know, they start to notice that when a coworker is struggling, you take time to show care and compassion and concern, and you offer to pray. That's not normal in your workplace. Or perhaps... You know, you're a young person, uh, could be any age, but particularly a younger person, and, you know, they know you're dating this woman and you're connecting and you're having this great deal, and, and so they ask you as a question, together, so, so when are you guys going to move in together? When are you going to take that next step? And you look at them and said, well, I don't believe in that. And I believe that that's uh, something that we should only do when we're married, and they look at you like you're kind of a freak. Because that's really unusual. Or, you know, somebody does something to you at work or it's a friend or even a family member that really hurts you. I mean, just really puts a dig in at you. And instead of just working to get even, like so often we see in the news, you respond with grace and forgiveness. Or perhaps, even as we just heard during the prayer about the Mullins, you're facing a really traumatic, difficult time. Maybe it's the potential of death, of an illness or something. But no matter what, you're struggling. And the people look at you and they go, where's the anxiety? Where's all of the anger? Where's all the hard words? You're different. Something has changed. And what happens. And so they begin to scratch their heads because they don't understand it, particularly so if they knew you before you became a Christian. 
and they look at you and they, and they go, well, I, I don't understand what, what's go what could be going on with him. Because they're trying to explain this change without God and acknowledging that God is at work. And so even for the people, if you open back up uh, again to chapter 2, and they're struggling with what happens, it, said, it says here that they were perplexed, verse 12, and they were amazed and they asked each other and said, what does this mean? What are, you know, all these people, again, speaking in these different languages and, and all this, what's going on? And so they were coming up with some type of explanation. And so they figured it out. It must be because they're drunk. Now, if you stop and think about it, really? They got drunk, so they speak in other languages that are understandable. That doesn't even fit. But, you know, trying to do it without some other type of spiritual application leaves you scrambling. And so it is that people look at folks today and they try to figure out what in the world is happening. Well, we find that as we open up this passage, Peter is about to explain to them what indeed has happened. And so we find as it starts in verse 14, Peter stood up with the eleven. And he raised his voice so they could hear him. And he said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully what I say, because I am about to tell you what happened. And he starts by saying, this is not a surprise to God. This is not unexpected. In fact, Joel, back in history, prophesied that there would be this event that's coming and it's now come and this was intentional and this was purposeful and this was all part of God's plan and it's happening today it's happening right now and so he says in this prophecy is that you know God said I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people unlike as Seth brought out last week just a few individuals at one point in time and then for a period of time but rather he says the Spirit's going to be poured out, and it's going to be poured out on sons and daughters and young men and old men and, and women and men and servants and slaves and everybody really is a connection, as it says in verse 21, everyone who believes. And so he's saying there's a new era in God's work and God's history being introduced today, and you need to understand and make a connection of what's going on. And so it is for us today that we live in this era and we find that we have promises in Scripture such as that says, as the Holy Spirit begins to work in us and begins to shape us and to change us, there's new fruit that's being born. And if you look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, you don't need to turn there, but rather it talks about that there will be fruit born, not because you worked hard to change, but because the Spirit is changing you, the Holy Spirit is changing you. So instead of some of the things that used to come out of your mouth or some of the things that you start to do, what do people see? They experience love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And they look at you and they see that. They scratch their heads because they're different. And maybe they ask you, why? So 
what is your re-answer when someone asks you why you're different? Not at church on Sunday morning, because you're expected to be that way here. But what's your response if somebody asks you at work or in the neighborhood or at the grocery store or at school or wherever it happens to be that this becomes evident at the hospital? What is your response? Well, Peter's going to go on and answer that. And he does that as we move on to verse 22. And he's going to say, let me explain this. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth. Always about Jesus. Ever since the beginning all the way through to today, it's about Jesus. And Peter is going to explain that really this, all this, this miracle that's happening today, that people are seeing the, the Spirit at work, it's going to be because of Jesus. And so he says in verse 22, he said, fellow Israelites, listen to me. It was Jesus of Nazareth. And he was accredited to you by God. And he did miracles and he did wonders and he signs and all of these things which God did. And you know about them. Many of them would have perhaps even observed some of them at that time. Or they certainly would have heard about them. And why? Because he was being accredited that Jesus is God. His, Jesus is God. And he came and, and he's about to do all of these wonderful things. But let's never ever lose sight of the fact that who Jesus is. He isn't as the world might say today, in many cases, just he was a good man or he was just a good teacher or he was even a prophet and he was a good example to follow and I get my bracelets to say, what would Jesus do? And it could be somebody else, but I look up to him. But rather he's going, you need to understand who Jesus is. And this is proven to you by God. And as he then goes on in verse 23, and this man, this Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And they would be familiar with that because that would have happened just like 50 days before uh, when this event was happening. And we look back in history and what he's also saying that while the pouring out of the Spirit is something that God knew about and had been planned on, so it is that when Jesus was delivered to the cross, that was also with God's plan and foreknowledge. God was sovereign to him. He knew that. And if you go all the way back again to the beginning of the Bible, to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 and forward, you see all of the prophecies that were pointing to Jesus. Again, it's always about Jesus. And so he's pointing them there. You need to understand that this was Jesus. And the fact that he died on the cross was something that God knew must happen. However, and you you, with the help of wicked men, but you were the ones that killed him and crucified him by putting him to death by nailing him to the cross. And I'm guessing that there were some people standing in that crowd that would look at that and go, yeah, I, I was in the crowd that said crucify him when they were in, in the kind of in the temple area or when they were before Pilate and you know, maybe I had, but you know, I did. I, I, I didn't touch him. I didn't do anything to him. There were others, probably likely a whole number of them, that were going. I wasn't even in town at the time. 
I certainly had no part in that. How, what are you saying about you? What do, what, what do I have to do with that? And what Peter is saying is every one of them present and everyone present today had their part in putting Jesus on the cross. The one that had been credited to them as God. Why? Because according to God's plan, the only way that there could be forgiveness was if Jesus died on the cross. If there was no sin among anybody, then there would have been no need for the cross. There would have been no need for forgiveness. But the reality it is, we all sin. And so I ask you for, to take just a moment right now and think about one sin, just one sin that you know that you committed. Maybe it was even this morning or this last week or years ago, but one, it, just even one. And the reality of what we see here is the fact that even if there had been no other people on the face of the earth, in order for there to be forgiveness for you, Jesus had to die. And so in that in reality, when I look for me or if I looked for you or anybody else, indeed, I'm the one that put Jesus on the cross in order for God's deliberate plan to be fulfilled. It was me that caused him to do all the suffering that he went through to die for me. You know, it's only as we began to grasp the significance of our individual sin that we can begin to appreciate the gospel. It is only as we grasp the significance of our individual personal sin that we begin to really be fully appreciate the gospel. Otherwise, it, it's just good news out there and it's wonderful, but when you take a look that it's my personal involvement, whether I was one of those people standing there that day or one of us that's sitting here today, that I am accountable and responsible for that. Well, the hard news for the people to hear at that point, I'm sure, as they wrestled with that, is the fact that Jesus had died on the cross because of them. But he goes on, but there is good news that, you know, God raised him from the dead. He didn't remain on the cross. He didn't remain on the tomb. He was raised, and it goes on in verse 32. It says, God raised this Jesus to life. And we're all witnesses of that as well. We witnessed the crucifixion, but we also witnessed the resurrection. And where is Jesus? Where is Jesus today? He's exalted. And he's at the right hand of God. And he's received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. And has poured out what you now see and hear. So Peter is drawing a connection with them that the Holy Spirit, likewise, is connected with Jesus. It's always about Jesus. That the primary work of the Holy Spirit is to bear witness to Jesus. And he's going, you know, that's really good news. And, and you might be sitting there going, oh, hallelujah, and rejoice. And we do rejoice in that. And for the people there, they were listening. And, and he goes, you know, this had even been prophesied as well, out of that. You know, David prophesied that. 
But as he continues on, he also says, Therefore, verse 36, let all of Israel, and we might insert all of us, be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Master, and Messiah, King, Ruler, Judge, so, for Jesus, he is in glory. And he's exalted and he's sitting on his throne as Lord. And the problem that was sitting there for the people, as it is for many people today, it didn't change the fact that I crucified him. That I'm guilty. That it was my sins. And left there, they would simply be left with conviction and guilt with no hope because there was nothing they could do about what they had done. It was completed. It was finished. Jesus was exalted. He's alive. There wasn't a question. And if he's judge, he's going to judge people on how they responded and what they did to him. And it says in verse 37, they were cut to the heart. That's conviction, a deep, deep conviction. They began to understand where they stand. And so the question that they then ask is, brothers, what should we do? What, what can we do about this? And Peter begins to tell them the good news. How wonderful that we are reminded, that even in John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so as the people stood there convicted and cut to the heart about what they had done about Jesus, they're going to hear this message that says, but there's hope because this was part of God's plan as well. But the hope comes only in your response. And so he goes on in verse 38 and he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent. He said, Turn away from that sin to acknowledge it, confess it, to say, I acknowledge, God, that this is my sin. I acknowledge that this is why Jesus died. I acknowledge it, and I turn away from all that rebellion and the things that I have turned away. I turn away from my previous decisions that I made about who Jesus is and the significance of him or the significance of my life. And I come to receive the forgiveness that you have promised me because of what he did and because of what God had promised. And he goes, and there's forgiveness there. And guess what? If you come and repent and receive forgiveness, then it goes on to say that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This same Spirit that you've been wondering about all the way along. This same Spirit that caused the people to speak in these various languages, that caused you to be perplexed. He goes, as part of this, God's gift is also that you will receive the Holy Spirit. How is that possible? It's because Jesus 
died on the cross. And he exalted and he's back at the right hand of the Father. And it's because he is there and because that occurred, now in this new era of history, you have this opportunity that Jesus now will pour out that spirit on everybody. And again, as it says, man or woman, child, old, servant, slave, whoever, anyone who believes and calls on him will receive forgiveness, but also will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so what did people do? It says after they, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. He said, save yourself from this corrupt generation. And 3,000 people did that. 3,000 people were added to that number that day. What an unexpected day it was for them. It began by them observing this unusual thing happening in the lives of these people and the fact that the languages were spoken, that people were acting differently. And as they began to probe and understand, they began to recognize and acknowledge fully, perhaps for the first time, that it was their sin that caused all of those things to happen to Jesus, but that God had a plan and that plan revealed an opportunity for them to receive personal forgiveness that went along with personal sin and accountability. And it wasn't just a crowd. There were 3,000, but they were individually one after another after another until there were 3,000 that day. And they received the Holy Spirit and their lives were eternally changed. Forever. What an unexpected day for them. I'm sure it ended completely different than what they might have expected or thought about might happen as the day began. And so it is for you and me as we come here this morning. I would guess that most, if not all of you, have a relationship with Jesus that you can look back and say, I understand that because that's my story too. There was a day that I was convicted and cut to the heart and that I received Jesus, and I received forgiveness, and he's poured out his Holy Spirit on me, and my life is being changed. I'm a different kind of person. I'm a different kind of person at work. I'm a different kind of person with my neighbors. I'm a different kind of person with my kids. I'm a different kind of person with culture and social media or at school, wherever God's placed me. Why? Because I know that the Holy Spirit is working within me because of God's incredible grace, and I receive that, and he's transforming me. And as you think about that, you also begin to understand the witness that God has for you. And that as you demonstrate that, again, in all kinds of different settings, not necessarily on Sunday morning, but everywhere else where you spend your life and you're coming elbow to elbow and shoulder to shoulder with people who don't know about Jesus and don't understand that. And God has now placed you as that witness to incite them or to enable them to start asking questions. Then what's different about you? How about you? Well, for these 3,000, they packed their bags, the festival is over, and they returned home back to all those different countries and areas that they'd come from. They returned back 
to their old neighbors, their old friends, the old family members, the old co-workers, all these others. And as they came back and spread out across that land, the 3,000 of them, people began to notice that they were different. Something changed. They were acting differently. They were showing grace and love and forgiveness and forbearance and all these other things. It really wasn't true of them before. And they were acting differently and people began to scratch their heads and wonder what in the world is going on. And as they did that, perhaps there were 3,000 or 6,000 or 9,000 more that looked at them and said, what's up with you? And they responded with a twinkle in their eye. Let me tell you about Jesus and the difference that he can make in your life. So let us go forward to be witnesses to Jesus. Join with me as I pray. Father, we thank you for the message the message of salvation, the message of the gift of the Holy Spirit and the way that that will work to transform us. How I pray for every single person here this morning that we would have come to a place where we personally see that that's true for our own lives and then help us as we leave even this morning and go to various corners of our world and we connect with people who don't know Jesus as they begin to see a difference lived out in our lives, we pray that you would give us a boldness and a clarity that when asked, to simply say, let me tell you about Jesus. For it is in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.